Alrighty. So I think we're up to episode maybe six this will be. Ooh, okay. And this week we have Dr. Lily. Dr. Lily is from Bundaberg Clinic. She's a mixed uh, practice veterinarian and she does love her largies. Mm-hmm. The reason why I really wanted to get Lily on the podcast for this one is because I think when you look at her, you just I just see that you're excited and you're that kind of person that has like that kind of twinkle in your eye. And I was like, I want her on the (laughs) podcast to kind of share your wisdom with everyone and your experiences. Um, I'm going to get straight into this one with you, Lily. What is it that you're most excited about right now in your life? Oh, that's a bit of a tough one. Um, At the moment, so being like 18 months into working as like a vet, I'd say like getting the chance to do things pretty much on my own with my own knowledge and then branching out into probably the more technical side of things Mm -hmm. um especially that's probably in the work side of things um probably after uni having a bit of money to go traveling and that sort of thing as well yeah um it's certainly getting me a bit excited (laughs) and you've been out for a year and a half roughly you're from JCU, right? Yeah, so graduated JCU in 2021 um, and then started work here January of last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Straight to the Bundy Clinic? Yeah, straight to Vet Cross, yeah. Yeah, and these guys are an amazing clinic. Like you have, it seems like you have really good support here and amazing mentors as well. So shout out to yeah. the Bundy shout out to them. Vet Cross Clinic. Really good, really nice big team, heaps of support and super fun. Mm-hmm. We all get along. It's, Really, really great. Mm. Yeah. Share with me, everyone kind of has like a journey to vet school and the reasons why they kind of pursued it and maybe there are challenges along the way. Maybe they weren't. Is there any kind of defining moments in your life that kind of led you to become a vet or led you just to be the person you are today? Yeah, that, that is probably, like, the toughest question I get asked. Like, when people are like, oh, so, like, why did you become a vet? And a lot of the time it's, I actually don't know. And so when I mm. finished school, I was kind of, kind of looking for something that would be challenging enough that would provide different sort of opportunities every day. And, yeah. like, I've always loved animals, and I know every vet says that, but, like, I've always loved animals, always sort of loved science through school. So thought why not give it a go and then yeah I didn't do the right subjects in school to go to Brizzy um, and I grew up in Harvey Bay so that would sort of be like the first thought would be just to go to Brizzy it's closest so yeah. we're thinking of going to UQ yeah yeah, yeah at Gatton um, yeah. that was sort of my first thought and then I had one of my friends who I went to school with he'd just gone up to JCU and he mm. was absolutely loving it so it's kind of like why not give it a go um and I applied and somehow managed to get in and yeah that was probably the that was really great I was so excited when I found out and then I was also shitting bricks pretty much because I was moving 12 and a half hours away from my family mm-hmm. <laughs> with no one else that I knew up there so was it hard to adjust to that do you think um Nah, I loved it. As soon as I got there, I was just so excited. Like, Mm -hmm. 
I moved in on college, had the best group of girls like on my floor. Yeah. Everyone literally all in the exact same position. Um, just finished school, moving out of home, um, and all moved from real distant parts of Australia as well. Mm. So that was probably really helpful having them all there with me. Yeah. Yeah, you spoke and when we were in the car, you know, little chats between yeah. um, clinics, you spoke about the group of girls that you then like lived with and yeah. you had like your fifth year experience. Was it with fifth year for them with your No, with your so I've got a couple of different groups of friends from Townsville. I had like my college friends, my vet friends. Yeah. Um, so I moved off originally in college with my, uh, moved off college with my college friends um, and then moved in with vet friends a year later. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was purely out of a convenience sort of thing, like moving closer to the uni after I moved out with the girls from college. But yeah, love them all. They're so great. Yeah. yeah. Miss them every day. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the girls. Yeah, shout out to the girls. <laughs> You've kind of spoken about, I guess, in your fifth year, how you were putting yourself forward a lot, especially within your um your group and I guess you're putting yourself in certainly uncomfortable situations what do you what goes through your head when you kind of stick your hand up and you're in those uncomfortable situations oh originally like in I've always kind of been a bit of like a outgoing person I guess um a bit of a more forward personality um probably not too scared to say, no, I actually want to do this. Um, In fifth year, I probably wasn't paired with people that had quite an enthusiasm for large animals. So I found probably an area to thrive in uni where I did get to do a lot of the the practical side of things. Um, They probably made up for it in the theoretical part. Yeah, you've done a lot. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, um, but... I think, yeah, just putting your hand up, being like, oh, actually, no, I do want to do this. This is going to help me long term. Um, Obviously not stepping on anyone's toes or anything, but just, yeah. And also being fair, like everyone else did get to like put their hand up and I never was like, excuse me, get out. (laughs) But, you know, um, giving everyone a go, but still. What if? Yeah. What if there was a time when you stuck your hand up and then you didn't do well? Like, what kind of, would you doubt yourself then or how did you kind of deal with those situations? Um, I think I was quite good at reminding myself we're all there to learn. So making a mistake is not the end of the world, um, especially on the uni ground setting. Um, so obviously doing your your practicals on the uni animals they're there for us to make mistakes essentially Mm -hmm. um they do all the paperwork they do everything they're prepared for it if it happens um not that anything major happened while we were there but just knowing that if something was to happen that probably wasn't by the textbook or anything like that there was enough people around that if you did screw up or didn't do something 100 percent perfect there was always another chance to do it yeah. and then always having that sort of backup that there was someone there that was far more capable than I was mm-hmm. just to clean up essentially. And I guess needing, like knowing that you need to do that before going into practice is really important because 
you get to learn those skills and you get to understand your mistakes before going out and being responsible for other people's animals. Whereas you get that opportunity in uni to go ahead and do it on animals where if you do make a mistake, yes, it will, there'll be consequences, but it's not the end of the world. There's someone there to support exactly. you. And when I actually spoke to one of my lecturers um, yeah. in this kind of scenario, he said to me that our, we think our grades and our mistakes are a reflection of us. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting because him as a lecturer, he said that actually he thinks it's a reflection of how well he's doing. Yeah. And I think that kind of took the pressure off me in a sense to realise that they want us to do well too. Yeah. And they take, we're all a big team and they take their mistake our mistakes on as theirs and it's yeah. like that kind of supportive environment I think that was really cool yeah no that's so good um do you have any tools that you kind of use to when you're in those uncomfortable situations even when you graduated that you use to kind of get your head kind of straight again and or relax or whether it was maybe at the end of the week yeah anything you do um I go to the gym I like to go to the gym, not think about absolutely anything work-related, uni-related, mm -hmm. study-related at all, and just use that time for me. Yeah. Um, and I know that doesn't work for everyone, but it works for me, and I probably won't ever change that. Mm -hmm. um, at work, I think bouncing off other people is, like, is the biggest thing. When you have a tough case, tough day at uni, if, like, there was something that just didn't go right, an exam that I just did real shit in or something like that. I'd just go see my friends, like talk to people about it. Yeah. Um, I'd say that was the biggest thing for me is just having people around all the time to talk to. Mm -hmm. um, Making you realise that it's probably not as big of a yeah. deal as what we think. Yeah. And like, especially in an exam sort of situation, I was, it, you're never the only one. Like, mm. there's always other people We there. all think we are yeah. the only one. Like, we all think, oh, that's just me. And I do the same thing. When I talk to a friend, they'll be like, oh, shit, I did that too. Yeah. They're like, oh, okay. And then a lot of the time also, like, comparing answers at the end of exams, like, I was terrible for it. I'd love to know, like, this is what I did. What did you guys do? Like, and mm. if someone did something different, I'd be a bit stressed. But I think at the end of the day, you did the best you can and... I think that's I always went out of exams going, yeah, you know, that was the best I could. And even if it wasn't, I convinced myself it was. And yeah, um, yeah I had pretty good backup of friends that are, that had all sort of say, nah, that was shit too. So mm. we dwell on it for a couple of hours and then we'd be like, no, let's go to the pub instead. And yeah. <laughs> it always worked out all it's right. Not that kind of big of a deal. Yeah. And it's interesting too, like everyone has their like different challenges throughout the degree so I think like if you have a group of friends that you can realize oh that's more difficult for them like they need yeah. support then and then you can have each other's back yeah for sure. that way. when you have a really good day on the job what does that feel like um, describe it in beautiful detail, beautiful detail. <laughs> so I think starting out someone telling you that they appreciate what you're doing which it doesn't happen as much as you'd probably like it to, um, that you've done a good job, like you've saved the life of their pet and they're super grateful. They're probably 
more so than doing this major surgery and having a good outcome or like getting skills that you wouldn't expect you would. Um, mm-hmm. I think having like affirmation from clients saying that, no, you've done a great job regardless of whether it's a vaccination or... Does it like, happen in really times you don't expect it to happen Yeah, as for well? sure. Like definitely like if you're checking lumps on dogs and you're like, it's not cancerous, it's just a benign lump. And they're like, wow, thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Like we really appreciate what you do. I've been stressed about that for months. Like, mm. and I'm glad you can tell me otherwise kind of thing. And I think times like that, I think that's probably one of the best feelings because you're like, wow, what I'm doing actually is important Mm because at times when you're just getting destroyed by horrible people that have no money and don't want to pay and you're just running against the clock essentially, these ones, they do balance it out, which is good. Mm -hmm. Um, And in terms of like emotion, I guess, um, it's encouraging to say the least. Like Mm -hmm. you just kind of want to keep going and... You'll always have the bad ones, but the good ones do make make up for it most of the time. Yeah. How often do you reckon you kind of have those really, really good days? Um, or is it more like... Most like, days. Yeah, most days. I think most days, yeah. yeah. There's obviously, uh, like, you have occasional ones where you're just down in the dumps. Nothing's going right. Mm-hmm. You have doozy case after doozy case and your surgeries might not turn out as well as you want or you have dogs that die that probably you weren't expecting were going to and Mm -hmm. like it happens but like 90% of the time you're gonna have a good day yeah do you like if you have something like that happen and you know it doesn't go the way that you thought how do the owners actually respond um if and do you find it quite hard to tell them those things? Um, I haven't had too many things like that so far since working. I'd say 99% of the time where we give the owners what they need to know, essentially. Um, and I think it's really important starting out veterinary practice that you sort of give them a prognosis before taking a critical dog into hospital. Mm. It sort of saves that awkward chat at the end if the dog was to go downhill or pass away that it's not just coming out of the blue Um, yeah and I think that's one thing that like this place has taught me well is like just be clear with expectations up front like be clear about cost be clear about everything essentially because Mm -hmm. the more they know the more they're going to trust you and even in cases where I think the biggest ones is where like a financial side of things comes in they can't afford to do as much work up as you might like or Mm -hmm. to do the surgery that you need to do and then like a few times I've had so recently a case with a dog that um had a ruptured bowel in its gut so two-year-old staffy came in um it came in after hours and I was pretty worried about it came in and vomited all over the floor green dripping out its nose as well and mm. um these people they were like we've we've got about eight hundred dollars and I was like oh there's certainly not heaps we can do for it and you know those cases if it was just 
a normal, I don't know, gastritis or something like that, you might be able to get it through it for that much. But yeah. once you do your x-rays uh, and your abdominocentesis and you find mm-hmm. that it's just not, you can't do anything else and a lot of the time explaining to them on the welfare side of things that what has to happen and yeah. that's really hard, I find. The people that, they understand, but it's like a part of the family mm-hmm. and the young dogs, like that's always a really hard, but... You know, at the end of the day, it's life. So, yeah. and I think that's what we just take out of it is you're always going to have those cases. How do you go after work, after one of those days? Um, I'm probably a bit of an anomaly, I guess. I barely think about work when I go home. Yeah. I don't know how. I'm just, I don't know, I've got other things to do, I guess. What do you do when you get home then? Do you like get changed straight away or do you, um, is there something... I was either go for, go to the gym, take dogs for a walk or something like that after work, which yep. is probably like the best way to, cl- like I clear my head that mm-hmm. way. Um, and then cook dinner. Um, I always like cooking. And yeah. then usually like my partner and I will either watch TV or I'll read a book, something like that. Um, yeah. Like obviously, like I'll get home, talk to Curtis about my day and go on like this happened, this happened. This yeah. person was horrible, this person was lovely, and then mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. <laughs> and that's the extent of what I'll think about work. Yeah. Kind Obviously. I'm going to talk to you after work and then getting straight away, kind of, I like to change my environment straight away. So yeah. I like get changed out of clothes and yeah. kind of mix it up so you're not kind of thinking about, yeah. you, it tricks your brain almost. For sure. Into, yeah. Yeah, if I'm not on call. Oh, I'm not staying in jeans and a work shirt at home. Yeah. Especially because most of the time they're filthy too. Mm. Yeah, we're covered in poo yesterday. Yep, absolutely covered. <laughs> yeah. Um, in your clinic especially, I've noticed that there's a lot of kind of, I'd say, successful veterinary humans. And by that, I mean that they're veterinarians, but I feel like they also have kind of that good life balance and it, it seems like they're not, I don't think they would define themselves just as vets. And I think people get caught up saying, you know, I'm a vet. I like to say I'm going to have a vet degree, so don't let it define me. Mm. And I think you have a lot of that here with those people, like your mentors that you see, which are successful veterinary humans. What do you think some of the, um, the mindsets and tools are that they have or that they use what do you think makes them successful that's hard I feel I struggle speaking on behalf of people but Mm. I like just from an observation point of view um they all really make time for their families so like whether it's their dogs whether it's their kids their wife they've all got a really good like work-life balance Mm -hmm. um and I think like Majority of the people I work with, everyone's got interests outside of work as well. And yeah. I think that's really important, not mm-hmm. just to have like, the like work's not everything. At the end of the day, work to live, like not live to work sort of thing. Yeah. And I think everyone yeah. that I work with, or most of us anyway, are along that sort of line mm-hmm. um, with our interests. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure like what they do in terms of, getting to that point but yeah yeah, I know for myself it's 
Leave it seems like you have a good joke around the clinic too. Yeah, really yeah. good. Nothing serious in here, yeah. which I love because if it was serious, it would make life a lot harder. Mm, yeah. It's easier to brush things off when everyone around you is kind of having a laugh too rather than taking it to heart and dwelling on it because yeah. um, it's You're easy to do. Your environment. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. How do we fall in love with the veterinary <sighs> industry? Um, I think just going towards it positively like it sounds so corny but just going into every day going nah today is going to be a good day regardless of whether you've got to do 10 euthanasias or not like it's it's a good day and there's positives in everything you do Mm -hmm. regardless of if it's a bad outcome good outcome um yeah i think that's the biggest thing but i don't know yeah i really don't know how do you get a positive out of a euthanasia? I think reminding yourself that it's a tool. Um, it's a lot of the reasons we do youths is purely from a welfare point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we are lucky as, you, as veterinarians to be able to put a dog to sleep and suffering and pain rather than watching suffering essentially. And mm. I think when you explain that to people, they're actually they really agree with you and they really appreciate it. Like if you go to any clinic anywhere and you're like, oh yeah, do clients get you gifts very often? And not that it's about that, but mm-hmm. we get the most amount of chocolates, flowers when we put people's animals to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because they do appreciate that we can do that for them. Yeah. Whereas it's not, you can't really do that in people and people watch suffering all the time and mm-hmm. Like, it's just not an option, whereas we get that privilege to do that. And although it's horrible and it's always sad, like, you don't really ever have a happy youth. Um, it's kind of like a beautiful thing in a way, too, yeah. because you're kind of giving them that opportunity to yeah. have a nice farewell and yeah. to honour that animal's life. Yeah, exactly. And you'll definitely have some um, crazy and wacky stories of doing them, but all in all, like it's the right thing to do in most cases. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind. And it's part of our job, like from a welfare, welfare perspective as well. Yeah. On like more of a kind of personal question, mm-hmm. what do you think that you have put on this earth to do? Oh, that is tough. Um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> And I don't know if it was to be a vet or anything like that. Um, I think it was just to be firstly a part of my family, love them to bits and like we're all really, really close. And then secondly, to be a part of all my friends' lives, like regardless of if I was a vet or not, I'd I'd hope I'd know them regardless, but I probably wouldn't. So I think becoming a vet um, whether that was what I was born to do or not, I'm glad I ended up this way. Um, do you, do you yeah. kind of get the feeling like along with going along with that, that you kind of just thrive off of the feeling of being part of like this really tight knit community? Cause I feel like the veterinarians yeah. in kind of smaller towns, you do, it just feels like you're really part of that. Yeah. Do you get that feeling? Yeah. I like I like to think I go to work every day and I'm with working with friends. Mm-hmm. And whether that's the other vets, the nurses, um, like 
some days we'll literally all sit and have family lunch together and we'll go, yeah, it's good working with friends, you know, like it's fun. And same with in uni, like having such a good close-knit group of friends, it's it's all about support and trust and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, definitely. My question that I like to ask to everyone at the kind of the end is if you had all veterinarians and especially veterinary students in front of you, what do you think is one thing that you would say to them? Don't be so hard on yourself. (laughs) Like everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has successful stories. Just, and stop comparing to other people. I think that's really important. Like you'll see your colleagues do these amazing things and then at the same time, you might be doing something that's you really don't want to be doing. And I think it's really important to just stay grounded with yourself and really understand why you're doing what you're doing rather than comparing yourself to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, if it's not the outcome that you want, just don't beat yourself up about it. And regardless of whether it's a mistake or not, an outcome's an outcome. <laughs> like, you just got to take it as it comes. And I think we all, like, I find myself comparing to other people all Yeah, the time. for sure. And one thing I try and do is I try and just compare myself to my, to my past self. Yeah. And that kind of helps me see, um, like, my progression. No, that's well. such, a, such a good way to go. Like, if I looked at where I started last year to where I am now... Like some days I have real shit days and some of the days are absolutely great. But the start of last year, I was looking up absolutely every drug, every drug I could possibly think of to, mm. in one consult to put one dog with an infected ear on. And now it's just like at the back of your mind. So it comes and it comes with time and it may not happen overnight, but it will happen. Just mm-hmm. give it time. Trust, trust yeah. that that'll happen. Exactly. At our own speed too. Yeah, it, and that's like where comparing yourself to others comes in like yeah. you don't have to mm-hmm. great for them if they're moving quicker than you are and yeah great for them if they're moving slower like it literally doesn't matter mm-hmm. at the and end of the day we're all going to get there being part of their successes too i think that's yeah. like a big thing when you might find yourself comparing to someone but i feel i feel like just being like wow like congratulations yeah. to that person you know or letting them know that they're doing well i think that would actually help them as yeah. well it takes that pressure off of you feeling like you are not doing well instead you're going you're doing so well and I'm just you know yeah doing at the, at the level maybe I should be yeah and like confiding in people as well like people love hyping people up as well mm. whether it's your friends your family like lecturers colleagues I don't know I love it when people tell me like something good that went on I'm like yeah yeah that's great. Maybe everyone that listens should go and hype, <laughs> hype one person up in the go clinic. Be hard man, like, go be hard, man. Go be Yeah. Everyone loves it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that was a really great conversation. I feel like we were yeah. moving through that really fast. We hit a lot of different like, topics. <laughs> but I just wanted to thank you, especially it's a Saturday right now and Lily just finished actually her Saturday shift and I was like, can we do the podcast after? And she said... Yes, and I'm really grateful no um, that you took, you know, an hour or two out of your weekend to talk to me. It's all right. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, I want to acknowledge you for your time and the amazing work that you're doing. I've been Thanks. having a great experience alongside of you this week, covered in poo and 
yeah. learning a lot from, from you. So oh, thank you. No, thank so you good. for joining me. Thanks for doing this. This is great. Hopefully um, it'll reach more and more people. Yeah. Thanks. Adios. <laughs> oh yeah, good job. <laughs> <laughs>